Welcome to the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. Marcus Paff alongside Reggie Razu. On today's episode, you might soon opt to light your yard with plants. We'll explain. Plus, human doctors are called in for a first at the 115-year-old Fort Worth Zoo. And on this day in history, the Finnish government proposes what we'll call a very unique holiday. Details to come. It's cool stuff. For fans of science fiction, it's the stuff dreams are made of. Bioluminescent plants reminiscent of fireflies that light up the forest or your living room, whichever you choose. A 2020 paper in the scientific journal Nature Biotechnology detailed how scientists found a way to grow glow-in-the-dark plants that radiate and maintain a mysterious green glow for the entirety of their life cycle. And now that technology is available to you in the form of firefly petunias, recently approved by the USDA as safe, and thus available to be pre-ordered online. But before we get into this stellar opportunity to light up your home with flora, let's talk about how we got here. It all started with mushrooms, but perhaps not the ones you're thinking of. Scientists noted that the bioluminescence found in certain mushrooms was metabolically similar to some of the natural processes occurring in plants. Given that important piece of information, they were able to transfer DNA sequences from mushrooms into tobacco plants, causing them to give off a bright green glow, which lasted all the way from seedling to maturity. Put another way, they genetically engineered tobacco plants with the fungal bioluminescence system that converts caffeic acid, which is present in all plants into luciferin. Karen Sarkeesian was one of the study's lead authors. He told CNN back in 2020, quote, we show that you can transfer four genes from these glowing mushrooms into the plants and wire them into plant metabolisms so that the plants start to glow in the dark, end quote. He also stated that unlike other luminescence technologies, the team's recent discovery would allow plants to glow in the dark without having to use external chemicals. And as use cases go, in addition to simply being cool and pleasing to the eye, the radiating glow could also be used to further study the inner workings of plants with the light revealing plant behavior or processes that aren't typically visible. Per Sarkeesian, quote, we tend to overlook plants. We tend to not appreciate how complex or how alive they are. They send a lot of different signals. They integrate and make a lot of developmental decisions, and we don't really appreciate them. Making them glow somehow builds a new relationship with the plants, and you can appreciate much easier how alive they are, end quote. And that brings us to the here and now. Researchers had previously noted that other plants could be modified to glow or perhaps even be adapted to change color, brightness, or even to respond to their surroundings. The new firefly petunias I mentioned at the outset of this story represent the first step in that process. Per the company producing them, Lux Bio, they emit a soothing glow similar to moonlight and can be grown in pots, back baskets, or gardens, including indoors, provided they have the proper sunlight. Keep in mind that during the day, the plant harvests energy from the sun, which it uses to glow at night. Generally speaking, then, the healthier the plant, the brighter the glow. So, Reggie, I will admit I'm interested in this particular type of plant and am considering placing a pre-order right now. Is this something you might consider uh, throwing up in your yard or somewhere in your house? My son loves plants. And he wants a light on or some type of night light or something in his room. It seems like a great combination to put in his room for to, to be there all night. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like a good plan to me. Depends on the cost, though. I like my son, but only at a certain dollar level. Yeah, that's a fair question. I did have a look at that last night and they're really not 
outrageously expensive. $29 will get you a single plant, and they do have some discounts if you order in bulk, I believe 10 or more, so something to keep in mind. But affordable, I would think, and provided that you have something of a green thumb and can keep this first guy alive, maybe it reproduces and you're able to, you know, grow your own sort of a petunia forest, for lack of a better phrase, that glows in the dark probably more information that anybody needs, but I actually put most of my plants in my bathroom. I have a very big window. It gets lots of light and all of them thrive there. So it'd be a good nightlight for the bathroom as well. Back in January, the Fort Worth Zoo in Texas experienced a first, the birth of a female gorilla successfully delivered via emergency C-section. That baby, named Jamila, or beautiful in Swahili, represented just the third gorilla birth in the zoo's 115-year history and the first to be born via cesarean. Making this story even more unique, the procedure took place under the watchful eye of Dr. Jamie Walker Irwin, a board-certified doctor in human obstetrics and gynecology, and her volunteer medical team. With additional assistance from the Fort Worth Zoo veterinary team, neonatologist Dr. Robert Yearspring, and CRNA Dennis Akiagrosso. So here's the backstory, courtesy of FortWorthZoo.org. One of the zoo's female gorillas, 33-year-old Sakani, was pregnant with her fourth child and had what appeared to be a routine pregnancy with an expected delivery date in early Early to mid-February. But on January 3rd, zookeepers observed Sakani moving slowly and holding her head as if she had a headache. She was exhibiting symptoms of preeclampsia, a serious blood pressure condition that can occur during pregnancy in both humans and primates. Following testing to support the diagnosis, zoo veterinarians knew the situation would not resolve itself and action needed to be taken. Because of the diagnosis, along with the prematurity of the baby, zoo staff and vets consulted with a group of human doctors, all of whom agreed that an emergency C-section was needed to save Sakani and give her unborn baby the best opportunity for survival. As you may know, humans and gorillas share a number of biological similarities. As such, the zoo's veterinary team had consulted with human physicians in the past, including Dr. Walker Irwin, to seek advice on particular cases involving primates. So it wasn't altogether abnormal when on January 5th, the team of vets and doctors got together to successfully perform Sakani C-section and provide immediate care for baby Jamila. Said Dr. Walker Irwin, quote, taking part in delivering Sakani's infant via cesarean section was one of the highlights of my entire career as an OBGYN. It is an honor and privilege to assist with care for this endangered species and to share my expertise with the veterinary staff at the Fort Worth Zoo. I was amazed at how Sakani's anatomy matched that of my human patients, end quote. So following her birth and once stabilized, the zoo's primate keepers, along with veterinary and nutrition staff, began around-the-clock care and feeding of the little gorilla while Sakani recovered from her procedure. Unfortunately, despite repeated attempts to reunite the mother and baby, Sakani showed little interest in caring for her infant. Though it's hard to determine the exact reason why, zoo experts suspect Sakani never experienced the necessary hormonal cues that come during natural and full-term birth, therefore resulting in disinterest in the baby. As such, after two weeks of unsuccessful reunification attempts, the staff made the critical decision to shift focus to training 24-year-old female gorilla Gracie to become a surrogate mother to the now thriving baby. Gracie has two offspring of her own, including one-year-old Bruno. Gracie's already trained to present her baby, and I'm using air quotes around present, her baby up to the protective mesh barrier so zookeepers can give a newborn a visual examination. This trained behavior is critical during a surrogacy as zookeepers will need to continue supplemental feedings with the infant. 
Zookeepers are hopeful Gracie will be an ideal surrogate mother, exhibiting maternal behaviors that will be necessary for the baby to thrive, holding and carrying of the infant, protection, cooperation with zookeepers during feeding time, of course, and teaching the little one the necessary social skills that she needs to be a gorilla. Now, Michael Farrakhan, executive director of the Fort Worth Zoo, said, quote, observing our staff and their continuous commitment to this baby and the subsequent surrogacy journey is a testament to their dedication to the animals in their care. It's been incredibly inspiring to witness and we all are hopeful that we can continue to watch this little one grow, end quote. As mentioned, the Fort Worth Zoo team has affectionately named the female baby Jamila, which again means beautiful in Swahili, but it also holds a special meaning as a nod to Dr. Jamie Irwin. Zoo experts remain optimistic that Jamila will ultimately be an integrated member of the Troop of Seven, which is now eight with her included. The Fort Worth Zoo will continue to share updates on social media about Jamila and Gracie's surrogacy journey. So as we uh, say is apropos on the show named Cool Stuff Ride Home, Reggie, this really is cool stuff. And you know, baby gorillas, they are really cute. I, I have to admit that. that they, they are very cute little animals when they're babies. I'm not saying gorilla can't be cute when it gets bigger, I guess, but they, they're cute little babies. They, they really are. And I also wonder, though, when I had kids, when I looked at the uh, the bill, I was lucky I had insurance. I don't know if these gorillas have insurance. Who's paying that bill? That's a lot of money. Yeah, you'll have to speak with their employer, which I, I guess is the zoo because they're essentially a model. I, I don't know. Uh, good call. But to your point, to your earlier point, uh, a lot of human babies are cute when they're born, too. Yeah. And then they get older <laughs> and not so much. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound mean. A lot of babies are cute. Some are. <laughs> are they breathtaking? <laughs> All I can think of is right now Kramer when he saw the baby that he did not think was cute at all. So. That's a Seinfeld reference for anybody who didn't pick up on that. So we hit our Seinfeld apocalypse or uh, Jurassic Park quota for the day. That's what we do on this show. We have about a revolving door of about three things we can reference in pop culture, and none of them have taken place in the last 25 years. <laughs> Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Heading off to this day in history, there are some odd holidays out there, but here's one I was unaware of even being proposed, but I may need to start following. On February 22nd, 1989, the Finnish Ministry of Public Health called for a government-organized sex holiday to help their citizens what? with stress. Yes. Released from the Health Ministry Working Party at the time, quote, people suffering from stress should be given the opportunity of having sex holidays when they would be able to forget their worries and concentrate on recuperating in an erotic atmosphere. They added lack of free time and various social obligations are the main impediments of a satisfying sex life, end quote. Although they did also add that while proposing the government holiday, citizens would be expected to find their own partners. Unfortunately, I can't see any evidence that this proposal ever passed, so I don't think it ever got followed through. However, the Finnish government is very open-minded or liberal-minded when it comes to the sex life and education of its citizens. So this isn't really, I guess, 
too far of a leap for them, while it may seem odd for us. And I also saw an article that the uh, the church actually uh, backed this idea as well, you know, believing that the sex is good for a family. So th- there you go. Uh, are you going to start convincing uh, your wife that you you are, are taking a sex holiday? <laughs> I'm not touching this on our podcast. <laughs> All right. So just to be clear, though, Reggie, this was never actually enacted. It was just proposed, correct? Yes. It was proposed on February 22nd, 1989. What got it hung up? I mean, why did this never come to fruition? Or should I not ask that? <laughs> I, I'm assuming just because it's a, a sex holiday. I mean, I, how many politicians, no matter where you're from, are going to vote? <laughs> yeah, we should probably uh, give people a day or a couple days off to, you know. <laughs> I mean, isn't that already Valentine's Day, essentially? Right, yes, I guess. But you don't get off work for it. <laughs> True. I mean, this would be eight days later. Hey, I know we just had Valentine's Day, but now it's time to do it all over again. (laughs) No no chocolates required for this one. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can always reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. Also, like us, follow us, and leave comments on Apple and Spotify. I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. We'll be back with more cool stuff tomorrow.